0: Oh, hey there, everyone. Uh, how's it going? So, this is Al from Points of Insanity Game Studio, and with me, my good friend, who is actually, it's been a few episodes since we've uh, heard from them, the one, the only, Mr. Chad Kniggett. How's it going, Chad? I'm psyched, and I don't have pants on. Let's go! Woohoo! I don't, I don't have pants on either.
1: Excellent! Do you have shorts? Maybe, maybe we should explain this.
0: Okay, we're, I'm wearing
1: we're, shorts.
0: Yes, we're we're skyping each other right now, and um, you know, so we can see each other here, and uh, you know, we we're joking how we don't have pants on. It's because we're actually both wearing shorts, which technically aren't pants.
1: Well, unless you want to call them short pants.
0: But are they pants if they're short? Just short pants. Well, that's
1: that's like saying our caprice pants.
0: I would consider them. That's oh, you're right. Those are the ones I like to end kind of at the mid the mid thigh.
1: No, Not they're the ones that end mid-death. at the mid thigh yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: See, I guess the way I would put it, if it if it ends around knee level, then I consider it shorts. When it starts to go past knee level, then you're starting to get into pants territory.
1: So we're talking about clothing tonight.
0: No, actually, let's talk about something more fun than clothing. Those oh, thank God, cuz I was going to grab my daughters if you wanted to talk about clothing. <laughs> but and yes, uh, and we were actually just starting to record and then my uh my my program I use for recording Skype started to crash on me so I was like, okay, don't 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 stop recording now, but anyways, we are recording and we are ready to go with today's topic and we're going to talk about Zombies.
1: Ooh, scary stuff.
0: Zombies are just about everywhere when you think about it. You know, we see them in folklore and we see them in uh, role-playing games, video games, movies, TV shows. Just Board games. Board games, yes. Uh, You know, just about, you know, zombies have creeped their way. Into Nope, that's actually kind of a clever pun if you think about it. Zombies creeping? and they, Yeah. Eh, anyways, so zombies have creeped their way into just about every type of media and form of popular culture you can imagine. So, why? That is a good question. Why are zombies so popular? And that is one of the questions that we are going to be discussing today. But first... Welcome to Bone Throwers Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games, such as Mini-Six, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy adventure, comedy, sci-fi, horror, or just horrifically bad puns, we've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor. Let's look back a little bit and talk a little bit about zombies and history. And now... Chad, I think you know a little bit more about this than I might. Um because we were talking a little bit before we started recording and you know I was saying okay we can talk about zombies and voodoo and you corrected <laughs> me on something.
1: Yes, voodoo is voodoo is an americanized version of a religion that uh in Haiti and such is usually called voodoo. Uh and uh you know, and voodoo, or vodun came from Africa to begin with. It's return Africa. And a lot of, I, I guess, for lack of a better word, paganism type things, you know, they believed in the, in the land and the, and the strength of people. And, you know, there was no real central god, per se. Now, when the slave trade happened, and unfortunately we do have to talk about this, the slave trade happened. A lot of African people were resettled in the Caribbean as well as the southern United States. And there, in order to still practice their religion but not get in trouble for it, they mixed a lot of it with Catholicism. And that's what we consider modern-day uh, voodoo or voodoo. Um, so they mixed a lot of Catholicism with it because then when they knew they were being watched, they could kind of put that Catholic spin on it. And though it was a little different than what everybody else was worshipping or doing at the time, they kind of let it go. You know, because they were slaves and they just kind of said, like, okay, they can have their religion as long as they're not, you know, running away from the plantation, basically. Mm-hmm. So and and that's the birthplace of voodoo religion as as we know it. And now voodoo has become little more than uh mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, it's like a, it's an industry now, you know, it's not so much a religion. I mean, I'm sure there are still practitioners of the religion Voodoo or Voodoo, but it's become more of something they get to tourists in, you know, especially you look at places like New Orleans and you get down in the French quarter and Voodoo is huge down there. I mean, you can do everything. In fact, a few years ago, my in-laws went down to New Orleans and they brought me back a Voodoo doll, you know? It's like, you can buy a voodoo doll, you can buy, you know, uh, bits and bobs for spells and all this kind of stuff. But when we look at it, the one thing that comes out of voodoo that um, has gone beyond voodoo is the zombie. Now, I don't know how how far in depth you want me to get about voodoo zombies based versus, you know, popular culture z- uh, zombies, but... Or maybe we'll do that a little bit later, because there is a big difference.
0: Um, oh yeah, because um, and I mean, I would like to start talking a little bit about the about the you know the the zombies in the context of the uh, Haitian uh, folklore. Because okay. from what I understand, a lot with Voodoo and um, or at least some of the practices with the way you were describing it, it wasn't as much necessarily paganism in the belief that. Um, You know, in in many gods, it was more, I think, and I'm not an expert on uh, ancient African religions, but animism would probably be a little bit better term where it's not, like I said, more or less a belief that spirit or divine essence into it. And the now in voodoo, at least uh, what it has become, it they do have a belief in a, a supreme creator god called Bundy. And I'm probably mispronouncing it, but mm. it comes from a French term meaning good God. And the way the they believe it is that this deity is unknowable and distant and unapproachable. So this is where I think some of the Catholicism, uh, the Catholic influences come in because one of the key elements of the Voodoo relig- Voodan, sorry, uh, religion is...
1: It's okay. You can call it either one you want. You can call
0: it whatever you okay. want. <laughs> um, they believe in deities called, and I think it's pronounced Iowa. And these would be similar to like the saints in Catholicism, where these are these are entities that can um, that can intercede in the mortal world on behalf of you know a people. So kind of like how a lot of times you know Catholics they they might pray to a saint. And do they, does right. the Catholic church still believe in like patron saints for like each person has their own patron saint they try to emulate?
1: When you're confirmed, you yeah. get a patron saint. Now, I know my oldest daughter, when she got confirmed, I believe her patron saint was Catherine. Um, when I got confirmed, that that practice had kind of fallen out. So when I got confirmed, I did not get a confirmation name. Um, but I know my mother has a confirmation date name and so does my dad. So, so did you,
0: do you get, did they get to pick it or is it something the, the priest was like,
1: no, it's a personal choice. Okay. It's a personal choice. You do the research and you pick your patron saint for whatever, you know, whatever reasons you pick your, yeah, saint. Cause,
0: and uh, I think there were some, um, I, I don't remember how long ago I read this and when this happened, but I guess there were some Catholic schools where they weren't really, where, they weren't really as much into the Valentine's Day, you know, the whole love aspect, but they tried to, uh, they tried to encourage people to like, okay, pick up patron saint and try to emulate it. So I, I don't remember exactly where that came from. It was from something I read years ago. Um, probably back okay. when I was working, I think it was when I was working on my religious studies degree, but, um, yeah, okay. these Iowa would serve as the intermediaries between, um, the said so the mortal world and the spirit realm, probably one of the most well known ones because we see him appear in pop popular culture, Baron Semedi. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that character at all, but uh he
1: No, I'm not familiar with the name yeah, there's but... some
0: interesting folklore about him. Um the he's heavily associated with the afterlife and it was said that he could cure any disease and he was the one who would dig a grave for a person. And it was, I guess if you were in his favor, you could theoretically live forever or, um, or survive just about any disease or injury. If Baron semeti refused to dig a grave for you because you couldn't.
1: Okay, so he's the he's he's their version of the Grim kind Reaper.
0: of yeah, and yeah. Also, he's supposedly he's also kind of a uh, very foul mouthed. Uh, so uh, also su- likes smoking and drinking. So an interesting little character there. But <laughs> so when we get back to uh, the topic of uh, zombies and, and Haiti, so you know we had these uh, Africans that were you know forced to they were forced into slavery and forced to convert and you were mentioning before how they took some of their their beliefs um, their native beliefs and combined it with Catholicism and this is actually something that we do see um, many parts of the world uh, wherever uh, Christianity did come into contact with n- local religions it wasn't unusual for them to incorporate some aspects of these native religions into Christianity and part of the belief was supposedly to have made conversion easier or more attractive to them.
1: Right. I mean, you got to look back even that. I mean, when Christianity came on the scene, it took a lot of pagan holidays and made them oh, yeah. Christian holidays. You know, every religion does that. They take something from what's dying out and make it n- new, you know, but so if we want to talk about Haitian, uh, zombies, Basically, what they are is they're reanimated dead. So in that way, they share with modern-day zombies. But they were raised by um a
0: yeah,
1: bokar, bokor, a bokar, yep. a bokor, and it's an act of necromancy. I mean, that's really what it is. When we, if we want to talk gaming terms, a bokar, a bakta, a bokar is a necromancer, and they raise somebody. But the difference between, and this is where they kind of vary in my mind, is when, when a voodoo bokar, um, raises a zombie, it has no control. It has no will of its own. It does whatever the bokar instructs it to do. Whether it's digging ditches or whether it's killing somebody, it does what it's told. Um, and it's just one of these things that, um, and, and this form of zombie has been written about and recorded about. Um, in 1937, there was a lady who was researching folklore in Haiti named Zora Neale Hurston. And she encountered a case of a woman who appeared in a village. A family claimed she was Felicia Felix Mentor, a relative who had died and been buried in 1907 at the age of 29. The woman was examined by a doctor. X-rays indicated that she did not have a leg fracture that Felix Mentor was known to have. And Hurston pursued rumors that affected persons were given a powerful psychoactive drug, but she was unable to locate individuals willing to offer much information. She wrote, What is more, if science ever gets to the bottom of voodoo in Haiti and Africa, it will be found that some important medicinal secrets still unknown to medical science give it its power rather than the gestures of ceremony. So basically she ran into a quote unquote zombie who it seems has been discounted, but she was saying that the stuff that they do in voodoo rituals, it's not about the ritual. It's about the psychoactive drugs. It's about the, the medicinal purposes of it all. And if we ever figure out what it all is, it could actually be a help to humanity. So. Um, but there is a ton of these, um, stories. If you ever just go out and look up real life zombie stories, there are a ton of these that deal with things in Haiti and in Africa that have to do with
0: voodoo. Probably one of the most, the one that comes to my mind, and I'm probably going to be mispronouncing this name horribly, uh, Clairvius Narcissi. Um, and again, he was one of those people who claimed that he Became a zombie, and in, what's interesting in zombie in uh, Haitian folklore, zombies weren't necessarily considered monsters, but they were almost victims to be pitied, because in the case of Clavius, uh, supposedly the, he's believed that is believed that he had an argument with his brother, and because and his brother was actually one of these Bokor, and what is what he did is he he poisoned him and there's supposedly several unwholesome ingredients that are in this, uh, this poison, but the, uh, the legend is that one of the most potent parts of this is venom from a, a, a blowfish, a puffer fish, as well as things like, yeah. yep, and I think there was also like the crushed skull of, a an infant that had died within the last couple of months and all sorts of other fun things. But the, what would, what would happen is the, the bolkor would make this this poison and then you know expose the person to it this would cause him to enter sure. a death-like state but then they would later be revived and they were fed this paste made of that had this uh i forgot what the name of the plant was but that had these psychedelic properties and he was he claimed that he was forced to work in a plantation for uh like two years and then the master died. And since they were no longer giving them this this paste that kept them in under control, uh, you know, eventually it wore off and he was able to return home. And from what I understand, it people pretty much believed him right away that he was who he said he was. So mm-hmm. um and another one of these legends about where this uh this could have originated back when you know there was still slavery in haiti the plantation owners would have these slave drivers who were also black and they were the ones who would keep the slaves in line and it was believed that some of these slave drivers may have claimed to have been voodoo priests because then that as a way to keep their um they're slaves in line because, you know, okay, I've got you enslaved in life. And if you commit suicide, well, I'll just bring you back as a zombie, you know? So it's kind of like, well, you're, you're just as as much used to me dead as you are alive. Um, And of course, I'm sure with a lot of these people, I, I know in Catholicism, suicide is considered a very great sin. So if these, you know, these slaves were, you know, Catholics, they, that would be yet another reason why they wouldn't want to commit suicide. And right. um, Z- voodoo has a lot of beliefs about the soul being very dualistic. And I think we see this in other religions as well. But in the case of Haitian folklore, it was believed there could be physical zombies and astral zombies, where the astral zombie was the spirit of someone who was lingering around a gravesite, And it was believed that if you could capture mm-hmm. the spirit... You could sell it as a talisman that would promote you know, health, wealth, or success. So no matter how which way you look at it, essentially a zombie is half a being. Um, on one hand, you've got the physical zombies, which is a body without a spirit. And then the, when you're looking at your astral zombies, you've got a soul without a body. Right.
1: Yeah, now we can take one step back even further if we really want to. In ancient Mesopotamia, is where they really have the first discuss or the first thoughts of zombies. They don't call them zombies, but in a in a piece of of uh, written material called the Descent of Ishtar, the goddess Ishtar threatens, "If you do not open the gate for me to come in, I shall smash the door and shatter the bolt. I shall smash the doorpost and overturn the doors." I shall raise up the dead, and they shall eat the living, and the dead shall outnumber the living
0: ah yes, a rush, that was uh, Ishtar as she wanted to uh threaten her sister Ereshkigal, who was the goddess of the underworld. Are you familiar with how that legend turned out right? It did not turn out well for her, so uh yeah, if you go i i talk I've talked a little bit about Ishtar in um, when I was doing my episodes on the historical roots of some of the outer planes of D and D and there's okay. one, I talk about it in the gods of hell. But essentially what happened is um, Ishtar uh, when I, in order to enter the underworld. She had to pass through several gates. And as she passed through each gate, she had to give up one of her articles of power. And so she comes before her sister naked and powerless. Which you know that's how we all come before death, and well, right. so his when she tries to make threats of her sister, well, she pretty much forgets that her sister is in the- is the ruler of the underworld who pretty much kills her, and then it's up to Enki to to formulate a plot to rescue her so okay and and I'm sure I mean, I wasn't able to find too many other references to zombies in other mythologies I mean there's. No. I guess there's, there's this, I guess it depends how we want to a, a classify a zombie when we are looking at mythology, um, you know, cause of course there's all sorts of different types of undead. And I know we've talked about oh, yeah. uh, that when we were talking about vampires and, uh, you know, but I'm sure that if we, if you look in addition to Haiti and Africa, you'll find zombie or zombie-like creatures from just about every sort of folklore you can imagine.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, what what's scarier than being dead and then coming back to be living, quote unquote, but have no will exactly. of your own?
0: You're not quite, you're not quite alive, but you're not quite dead. And I think that's one of the things that makes zombies. Uh, such a popular legend and maybe even a warning sign is, yeah, as as you you put it, you're still kind of alive and maybe you've got a dim little awareness and memory of your past life, but you're powerless. You know, that the person who's controlling you tells you, you know, go, go shovel that pile of manure into that wagon with your bare hands. You've got to go do it and there's nothing you can do about it. You know you're shoveling manure with your bare hands you can't protest you can't do anything about it you're you're you know
1: (laughs) we we kind of used that idea when a buddy of mine and i we started working on a on a zombie roller derby game and as we were talking about the history of it all we're like okay so how because zombies are brain dead they can't do anything they're just you know brains kind of thing so we're like, how do, we, how do we go about this? And we actually looked at, um, you know, the Haitian folklore on it all. And we're like, well, if we use Haitian zombies and we say, hey, you know, they're told, go roller derby, you know, go do this.
0: It yep. works. And, you know, there was, there was a game I made that was intended to be a spin off of that zombie roller derby one you were making. You remember Zombie Gauntlet? Because, you know, I remember this was way back near after, you know, shortly after we first met at a convention, you know, we had this idea of, okay, uh, because you had this idea what if you've got, you know, a world where, you know, there was a zombie apocalypse, something we're going to be talking about later, and they find out, okay, the zombies, they can kind of be tamed, and what if you people train them to do different tasks, like engaging in sports? And didn't, didn't you also have a plan for, like, zombie volleyball as well?
1: We thought about that one. We also thought zombie football because we're like all the high impact games with zombies. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Brain damage isn't going to stop Exactly.
0: Them. And that's one thing that could make them uh, effective is that, and have you ever seen the show Deadliest Warrior? Well, no. the, the series finale, well, for those who haven't seen it, Spike TV used to have Deadliest Warrior where they would arrange, they would, um, Picture a fictional match between two types of warriors, like the initial episodes. They had like ninja versus Spartan, or there was another one, Viking versus okay. samurai. And what they would do is they would they would bring in experts, you know, in the the, the fields of a uh, you, you know they would bring in experts relevant to the particular uh fighting styles that were being studied, and they would do these tests of the different types of weapons and armor. Um, You know, like, okay, could Warrior A's weapon penetrate Warrior B's armor? And they would do all this other stuff, and then they would do a simulated battle, and they would have a reenactment of it. So it was a fun series to watch, and eventually the show evolved, where they started to do single-squad combats, like they had um, Al Capone and his gang versus Jesse James and his gang. And then they introduced historical figures, like they had George Washington versus, um, Napoleon and another one, um, Lawrence of Arabia versus Teddy Roosevelt. But the final one was zombies versus vampires. And it was interesting the way they go about it because when they were doing the squad based combat, they would be five versus five. But obviously, if you take five zombies and put them against five vampires, that that's going to be a squash. So what they did is they tried to figure out a ratio and they brought in this martial artist who was like a, a champion speed breaker and they had these like dummies go, zooming towards him and they tried to see how many he could break before he was overwhelmed and they came out to a ratio of I think it was like three vampires versus like 180 zombies something like that and uh, one of the okay. things they were talking about is that could make a zombie. Why they're so effective in large groups is they don't have that pain inhibition that a living person would have. Now, like obviously you or me, um, we're not going to try to punch a concrete wall because we know right that's it's going to hurt, hurt. and possibly
1: if you don't break a hand you're exactly, hurt. but
0: a zombie doesn't have those inhibitions, so it's going to do whatever it needs to do. So look it up if you can. They're 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 interesting episodes. Um, I was, I liked the show. I was kind of sad it didn't get renewed. But anyways, back to zombies.
1: Yeah. So where do okay, we want to go well, next?
0: As we take a look at zombies in fiction, we see that there have been a lot of different ways that zombies have been defined. Now, when we go back to the Haitian folklore, it's usually because, you know, um medical reasons why it was, that's probably not the the best way to say it, but basically there's a a medicinal explanation for zombies that someone gives you this poison that makes you appear almost dead. And then later on, they revive you and they keep you under control using other types of psychedelic substances. But when we look at fiction, we have other types of zombies. There are zombies that are resurrected by magic such as we see in like Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy movies. But in a lot of works of zombie fiction, science plays a big part as well, where usually it's the result of some virus. Maybe it was man-made, maybe it was natural. And one of the shows that uh, comes to mind in that regards um, is Herbert West Reanimator, which I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. saw that movie or not.
1: I have actually, Been a long time, yeah, but on
0: time where they were trying to find a scientific way to reanimate the dead. And in this case, mm-hmm. when the dead were brought back, you know, again, they were very savage and pretty much mindless killing machines that would attack just about anything. Right. So when we, what are some examples of zombie fiction that always stand out for you?
1: Um, are, are you talking movies at this point or are you talking books? Movies, or, books,
0: TV shows.
1: Um, the big one for me is, uh, what is it called? Uh, uh,
0: Night of the uh, Living Dead.
1: I knew I would do this. I knew I would forget the name of the book, but, um, it's like World yes. War Z. There it is.
0: Have you read I that book? I read it though. In that Deadliest Warrior episode I was talking about, uh, one of the people on Team Zombie was Max Brooks.
1: Okay, so Max Brooks wrote the book, and it was just a really—you started with Patient Zero. So if you don't know what that is, that's the—that's the originator. That's the first person that got the virus. That's the first person that got, you know, bit by a monkey, whatever. However, however it comes to be, he is the first one. And it goes through, you know, how the zombies grew and they became this force. And then, you know, towns started blockading themselves off to fight back against the zombies. Um, and in the end, it wasn't a happy ending, which kind of surprised me because, you know, most time you read a book, you know, in the end, they figure it out and they figure out how to, how to keep the zombies away. Well, they found out that you could kill a zombie by basically freezing it. So if you could keep them out of your cities until winter in northern climes or or far southern climes, they would freeze to death, and at which point you could throw them on a fire and burn them. Um, But they would, they would, you know, they take these cities and they'd wall these cities, and the zombies would just into the walls just for days on end, just trying to get through. And they would climb on top of each other, and they would do all this stuff. But if the if the walls were high enough. And they had a big enough, you know, group of people to shoot the zombies that get near the top. You could hold them off till they got, uh, I don't want to say hungry, but I don't want to say bored either. Until they got so hungry or so bored that they went somewhere else. Um, they made a movie of this book, which was an absolute travesty. It was a horrible even movie. Brad
0: Pitt could save it, huh? Uh,
1: no, no, not at all. It was okay. Let me ask you this question: Zombies, fast or well, slow? It
0: depends because I've seen them pictured both ways. No,
1: no, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it's been done both ways. but... Well, zombies, fast I go or back slow?
0: to Night of the Living Dead, so I would probably picture the slow, uh... right?
1: The 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 methodical kind of just kind of uh, you know, and and that's the way the book was written. But when they made the movie. They made them these like super quick, super fast things. And the reason, in my mind, the reason they did that? Yep. Jump scares. You know? You can't really do a jump scare with, uh, you know? But if they move and they're quick and they, you know. Um, but anyway, well, uh, what else? Um, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, oh, what was the one with Woody Harrelson? The movie with Woody Harrelson? Um, Zombie Land. Tell me you've seen I Zombieland. I have not seen Zombieland. You must watch Zombieland. Just, the, just for the sheer number of cameos in this movie. it um, The zombies are, I wouldn't say they're fast, but they're not slow either. They're just kind of, you know, like, it's like you and I walking down the street, you know. Uh, but it's got Woody Harrelson in it, and he's got a thing for Twinkies during the whole movie. It's like, that's all he's looking for is Twinkies, because they last forever, you know. And, uh, you know, it's one of these movies where they they give you different steps. Like, if you're in a zombie apocalypse, you know, what you should do. You should always have water. You should always have, you know, food. Preferably food that doesn't spoil. You should always have a gun. And you should always double tap. that Which means shoot the zombie a second time. It's worth the extra bullet. But I think one of my favorite scenes in this, and it's actually not a very scary one. It's actually kind of funny. Um, Woody Harrelson and the other two main characters, uh, they come across this house in, in the Beverly Hills and they go to get in it and they realize that somebody's living there. So they're kind of trying to figure out who this guy is and such. And all of a sudden this zombie comes out at them and they shoot him. You know, they shoot the zombie. And they realize that it's not a zombie. It was just some guy dressed up as a zombie. Well, that person happens to be Bill <laughs> Murray. So as Bill Murray dies for the next ten minutes from a gut shot wound. You know they're talking to him and they're and they're doing different stuff. And um, at one point, I think it was Woody Harrelson goes, "Wow, do you?" Because he played himself. He played Bill Murray. And he goes like, "Do you have do you have any regrets?" And he goes, "No." Well, Garfield, <laughs> Garfield too.
0: <laughs> that was cool. That was that must have been funny. And I'm like, I understand. Yeah, and another zombie movie that. I guess it's not really your typical zombie movie in that you're not fighting hordes of them, but, and that is Serpent and the Rainbow. And this was based on a book written by an anthropologist, um, or actually, he was some sort of anthropologist or ethnographer um, studying, you know, people and cultures and and stuff like that. Um, He did, uh, he was one of those people who, traveled to Haiti and he supposedly came into contact with people who knew how to um people who knew how to create zombies and then they now his book has pretty much been denounced because a lot of the claims that he made in there they tried medically testing it but they didn't find any scientific evidence but they did turn it into okay. a movie starring Bill Pullman. Who, if you've ever seen Spaceballs, you know what role he plays.
1: Lone, oh, yeah. Star. Lone Star,
0: the only man who would dare give me the raspberry. Um, also played the president in Independence Day as well, and I, I know he's had a few other parts, but pretty much Independence Day and and Spaceballs were his, uh, you know, were his biggest uh, movies, at least as far as I know but that one again it wasn't really talking much about the you know a zombie apocalypse but it was more rather focusing on um the you know the going back to the historical roots of the zombie and how people could create zombies by using poison another one that uh, okay. this is both a tv and a video games or not a tv show uh, a movie and video game series resident evil now I don't know about you, I've never played any of the Resident Evil video games, but I have seen some of the movies. And, you know, they're okay. Uh, The take on zombies there, and I think that it does try to serve as somewhat of a warning in that the the zombies were created by a virus that a, a corporation had created, and they were trying to find ways to weaponize it. And they were also trying to... Uh, find ways to weaponize people with this this virus that they created so okay uh and this is this well, it's not the first thing that introduced it, but one of the things we see about zombies well, how do you create more zombies
1: you you bit you get bitten yep usually. so
0: uh you know zombies Arno was necessarily created by magic or or medicine, or science, but yeah, it's it's an infection, which I don't know, do you think that there's any sort of uh, message or theme in that in the zombie literature where they do picture zombies as something that is transmitted?
1: Jeez, that's a... I mean, I
0: think it definitely plays question. on our fear... Of, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's a good question. I, I, I
1: think... It might be, like, a odd way of, like, talking about, um, you know, STDs and that kind of stuff. Um, they would have to frame it in such a way. It would have to be framed differently than what it is to really make it home to somebody, I think. But it might have something to do with that. They might go, okay, this is a way we can show people that, you know, you swap bodily fluids, whatever they are, you know, disease happens and you become a zombie. And I
0: wouldn't necessarily limit it to just sexually transmitted diseases, but I think it does play upon our fear of communicable, communicable, you know what I mean? Yep. yep. Communicable diseases where, where, uh, and, but yeah, I mean, that is an interesting look, taking a look at it in terms of STDs because yeah, it does involve that, you know, fluid exchange and, and physical contact and, you know, it could end up killing you. So, right. And, Another example I think of of a zombie fiction that's gotten extremely popular is of course The Walking Dead. Have you ever seen that show or? I watched I think the first
1: season and a half or so and it just became monotonous for me. It was the same thing every week in and out in and out in and out. And it was very graphic, it was very violent. Um and after like a season and a half, I just kind of went, they're not giving me anything new. But I will tell you, they did, they kept me around that long because of a scene in the very first episode. Have you watched the, I've the, seen Walking a, Dead? I
0: think I've seen like about two, maybe two and a half seasons of it. I, I've seen a few episodes here and there.
1: So that very first episode, this is how they, they, this is how they got me. So you got the, the sheriff walking around this like abandoned, um, area there's old cars and there's an old gas station and you can tell it's not in use anymore and then you start hearing this like growling or whatever coming from behind one of the cars and he steps around the car and there's like this seven-year-old girl obviously a zombie there's no question about that right as uh, she's de- depicted as a zombie the way that they do in the walking dead with the you know the dark around the mouth and the whole the whole thing but um, And he's standing there, and I'm like, no way are they just going to off a seven-year-old. Zombie or not, they're not just going to off this seven-year-old. And he pulls out his gun, and he guns her down without blinking. And I'm like, okay, you got me at least for a while. Because I like when shows or movies or something do something that's unexpected or might even be considered uh oh, yeah. taboo. I mean, shoot a kid. It's kind of taboo, yeah, and, but, oh, but it's a zombie, so is it really a child anymore? Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: usually in horror movies, children are usually safe, and when you talk about the whole yeah. killing kids, one movie that it wasn't exactly the greatest movie in the world, but it had balls, Ghost Shark, uh, basically it was... Okay, I have not seen Ghost Shark, but go on. <laughs> ghost Shark, it's about this, like, evil shark spirit that, basically, if you're anywhere near water, it can attack you. Even, like, okay. a swimming pool, like a, a kiddie pool. But they had this one scene where there were kids playing in, uh, you know, a water, uh, not a water fountain, a fire hydrant that had been opened. And okay. this ghost shark just jumps out of nowhere and bites two kids in half. Where, like, you know, it's like, okay, they show them from the waist down and just toppling over. And I'm like, wow. Balls, man. Yeah, that's, balls- yes. that's
1: ballsy. <laughs> so, a um, couple th- couple other ones I wanted to bring up. Have you heard of the Santa Clar- Clarita Santa- Diet?
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. I, I think it's on Netflix.
1: I have not either. My daughter watched it. And I guess it's kind of a mix of horror and mm-hmm. comedy. But I did pull up the little plot synopsis that they have out here and it says, Joel and Sheila Hammond are everyday suburban real estate agents in Santa Clarita, California. The couple face a series of obstacles when Sheila has a physical transformation into a zombie and starts craving human. With Joel and the family trying to have time, they have to deal with neighbors, cultural norms, and getting to the bottom of a potentially mythological mystery. Uh, it looks interesting. It's got Drew Barrymore in it, so that's always a plus in my book. I I, I love the work she does um, most of the time. But um, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than it's out there. It's on Netflix now. People want to go watch it. Um, the other one I do want to talk about, though, is a movie I watched a long time ago. Um, it was kind of... It's a risque movie, but it was called Zombie Strippers. Mm.
0: So. I don't know what to make of that.
1: <laughs> well, let me help you here. It has Robert England in it, Freddy. who is Freddy Freddie, Freddie Krueger, and it has Jenna Jameson in it. There's an interesting combination. So it focuses to at least the beginning of the movie focuses around this um military base where they've created a zombie juice and they're, you know, for for combat, for war, whatever you want to call it, some of the zombies get out. And one of the first places they come by is a strip joint. So, of course, one of the zombies bites one of the dancing girls, Jenna Jameson, and, <laughs> and it just goes on from there. there. She's still dancing as a zombie. She's still stripping as a zombie, but then she'll, like, attack out of nowhere. It's, um, It does have its jump scares. It is kind of a scary movie, but at the same time, it is so a comedy. Yeah. It's just... It, you can't take it serious in any way, but it was just... And I think it's rated R only. Um, You do see a lot of boobs, but other than that, um, I want to say it's rated R, but I don't know right off the top of my head. But anyway... Yeah, it was just it was just one of those things. A buddy of mine's like, "Have you ever seen Zombie Strippers?" And I'm like, "No." And he's like, "We should watch it." And I said, "Well, you said strippers, let's go."
0: <laughs> yeah, and another. It is interesting when they can find ways to, to combine horror and comedy, two genres that you generally don't see together. And that brings to mind another one, Shaun of the Dead. Um, it was an average movie. I mean, it had a couple moments in it, but it wasn't bad. Um right. And so I'd have to say that another one of the things that we often see in zombie movies is and zombie fiction and games is the idea of the zombie apocalypse where oh, yes. you know you've got a lot of times you've got the breakdown of social order. Now, honestly, I do like some of the fiction I've seen within the zombie apocalypse apocalypse genre. What are some of your, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the zombie apocalypse apocalypse genre is it one that you you know you're really into or just kind of eh, I'll watch it but it's not generally not my biggest thing
1: It's fun it can be fun um I see too many people out there though that seem to take it seriously and short of some chemical agent being deployed that make us want to eat each other and not feel pain. I mean, in reality, at least now in our time, it's not possible uh, to
0: have a zombie virus outbreak. I don't know. Because, I mean, just uh, before I... That actually brings up a good point. Uh, there's this humor... You're talking about
1: reanimating the dead.
0: Well, there is... the There are some types of funguses that have been shown to reanimate or mentally manipulate insects. And yep. there's this one, um, and who's to say that someday those don't evolve to be able to affect humans. Now, there's this a website I go to occasionally, cracked.com, and they had a couple mm-hmm. interesting series of articles. One of them is several ways in which a zombie apocalypse could happen. And they were talking about scientific possible scientific ways that could cause something similar to a zombie outbreak. But they also had another one, you know, several ways in which a zombie apocalypse wouldn't would fail and wouldn't last as long, long as you think. And they made some good points. Um, they talked about the putrefication process. So mm-hmm. um, unless whatever causes the zombie, you know, the zombification has a way to prevent the putrefication process. Well, they're gonna—they're not gonna, you know, last that long. Especially, you got a
1: couple of weeks, Matt. What's that? You got a couple of weeks, Matt.
0: Yeah, and they were also talking about how when you get to warmer environments, it gets even—you know—it gets faster. And also, right. cold environments, as you know, again, they were talking about that in World War Z, where uh, you know the the zombies weren't as effective in the the cold when it got cold because they would freeze up. They right. also brought up a couple other things. Let's face it, humans are killing machines. Mm-hmm. Say what you like about humanity, but when it comes to killing other things, we're pretty good at it. Yeah, we're really good at it. And also, you, another thing you got to consider, wild animals, like a bear or a wolf, you know, could, you know, possibly take out, a, you know, a zombie. And when you talk about ones that are in, like, the, you know, tropical or swampy areas... Then you've got alligators to worry about.
1: Okay, now here's the question. So if this is a virus and a bear eats an infected human or an alligator eats an infected human, do they become zombies? I think. And how badass would a bear as a zombie be?
0: The only way a zombie bear could get any more badass is if it shot freaking laser beams out of his eyes and it could fly.
1: And who says that they won't, that won't happen with some other virus, you know, dual
0: viruses? Well, and it has to depend on, and I'm no biologist, but just from occasional articles I've read, the thing is, some viruses are very, from what I understand, some viruses are, they're very specific to a certain type of organism. So Mm -hmm. a virus that might be deadly to you or I might be completely harmless to, another type of animal um but i just thought it was interesting because it was look
1: at, look at look at hiv and aids mm-hmm. monkeys carry it it doesn't bother them
0: yeah and you know but i just thought it was an interesting idea how they had these two you know they they presented both sides here's ways a zombie apocalypse could happen here's why it probably wouldn't you know it would wouldn't last as long as you think it would but one of the things that i like about the zombie Apocalypse um, genre, I like how a lot of times they focus on society and what it does to society and how it collapses and, you know, you've got these people trying to get by um, with, well, like in a survival horror video game where they've got limited, you know, limited supplies. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is why I thought it was cool with that uh, Daryl guy from, you know, Walking Dead. He had the crossbow and he would sometimes just stick the crossbow bolts in there, um, you know, in the zombies' heads. Yeah. So we've talked quite a bit about zombies and folklore and popular culture. Actually, let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about, we're both gamers. Yep. Zombies and role playing games—they suck. That's one thing I have to admit about D and D zombies. They're basically just walking, shambling corpses. They, yeah. um, you know, that are used to guard a wizard's lair or something, or just ra- randomly wander a dungeon. They're not, you know, they're not as as frightening. I think in horror, but is that necessarily inappropriate? Because you think about it in horror. You know, usually in the horror genre, you're supposed to be up against something that should terrify you because you should be almost powerless to fight against it. Whereas in fantasy, you've got these heroes that usually can overcome impossible odds. I mean, you know, you look at the difference between a Dragonlance novel or a a Forgotten Realms novel, you know, you've got these great heroes like Drist or uh or uh, Tan is half elven, and you know Caramon, and 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 such, and they're overcoming impossible odds. Whereas if you look at horror in like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, the best you can hope for is not to get killed. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Um, I think zombies. The, the problem with D and D, and I think they took this into to. uh to their thought process when they were making DD zombies is zombies by themselves, a single zombie, not that hard to, you know, not that hard to uh, fight. Um, there's like, uh, I think they, they, there's like, and this is off the top of my head. And third ad, I think there's like solitary. So you're fighting one zombie, um, a pair. So you're fighting two zombies, or I think they call it an organization. And I think that's five or six. Now you give me five or six heroes that are third level. It's not even going to be a fight for them because zombies, yes, they have the ability to bite that. And you could get lucky as a DM and bite one of the characters and then, you know, go through that hole. They have to whatever to, to not become a zombie, but the numbers are so low. And I think that's, they kind of took that into consideration where I would have probably went the other way and said, okay, each zombie actually represents 10 zombies and make them a little stronger.
0: I thought of something when you were talking about that. Oh, Zombies are the inverse of a ninja. Because you look at it, a single zombie is a joke. A horde of zombies is a threat. Whereas with ninja, they say, a single ninja is dangerous a group of ninjas cannon fodder so what if you had yeah. a zombie ninja would like the mm. two extremes cancel each other out
1: well here's the thing is zombie ninja the first time it tried to do like a flying back kick it could kick its leg off <laughs> projectile weapon we have to have of you know, you could have the abilities of a, uh, of a zombie, but there would have to be some sort of role that the DM would have to make, like, to randomly lose something because the tendon has now worn through and the arm goes. Okay. Or, you know, it's not a horrible idea. It's more of a a Monty
0: Hall kind of idea, but... Okay, so if, any DMs out there, if... Uh, or how about this? To any DMs out there that just got an idea, you're welcome. For any players out there who all of a sudden find their uh, their their characters fighting zombie ninjas, I apologize. I don't. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> so, zombies. Why are they so popular? Why do we see so many zombie movies and books, and why are they so popular in video games as well? Because you you know we've got games like Resident Evil and Dead Rising that have zombies in them. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. even realistic games like Call of Duty. They release downloadable downloadable content zombie packs where now you're fighting zombies instead of enemy soldiers. So why? Why do you think the zombie genre has gotten so popular in pop culture?
1: So you want the jaded answer or do you want a good answer? Let's take
0: both. How about the jaded answer first?
1: The jaded answer? cash they keep putting it out people keep buying it. okay now i think it goes to personally i think it goes to a deeper level to be 100 percent honest with you zombie the idea of zombies scares the out of me you know um something that can only be killed by removing its head now you and i can be killed by removing our heads but
0: there's other ways to kill us as well You know what else can only be killed by taking its head off? What? An immortal from Highlander. A Highlander ninja zombie.
1: Do we have to put a muzzle on you?
0: (laughs) You know what? I'm not even drinking any alcohol. I'm just drinking iced tea right now.
1: That's spiked with alcohol.
0: I don't think it is. (laughs) Snapple. (laughs) This episode yeah. not brought to you by Snapple. No, they are not a paid sponsor for the show. But anyways, you know, I wish you guys what, could have yeah, seen...
1: If you're listening, you could be.
0: Yeah, okay. So if the executives from Snapple are listening, and if you would like to fund the Point of Insanity Network, <laughs> but, you no, know, you, you guys should have seen the look on his face when I said Highlander Zombie Ninja. Chad, you, if you were sitting across the table from me right now, I have a feeling you probably would have smacked me across the face.
1: No, I wanted to smack you. I, I, I might have thrown something at you. God, I, I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong; it is funny. But I'm just like somebody's going to take that seriously and try to do that. They're going to be like, all of a sudden, you know, Loki is a, is a, you know, immortal because Loki's an immortal, and he's now a zombie ninja. Oh, for the love of God! <laughs>
0: A Norse trickster god becoming a katana-wielding zombie ninja. Yeah, why not? That sounds fucking awesome and scary at the same time. <laughs> but anyways, so, okay, back to before I rudely interrupted you. Zombies, why are they so popular? So you said, I think you made a good point I... that they bring in cash. We keep buying the zombie games. We keep watching the zombie movies. But you think there's a deeper reason other than the fact that people make money and we keep buying?
1: Yeah. We like to be scared. Okay. And zombies are scary. I mean, without pulling the punches, zombies are scary. The idea of zombies, like I said, scare me. Yeah, and I think... People like to be scared. That's why horror flicks are so... You know, I one of my daughters loves horror flicks. And I said, why? And she said, because they make me jump and I'm like why would you like that but people do they like to be scared and it gives them that sense that maybe reality is more than what we see isn't that why we game to make
0: our reality more than what it seems yep to do things that we can't do in real life exactly but you know, and I think you make a good point, especially when you're talking about the... well, this. Well, I think so, too. <laughs> when you go back to the, the, the how we were talking about the roots in, um, in voodoo, I mean, you think about it, you were in a situation where you're forced to obey someone and work your butt off for them, and you know it, but you can't fight it. Yeah, that would be a pretty scary um, position to be in. But loss of
1: control, you know?
0: And yeah, I think that's another thing that people are afraid of losing control of themselves. But I'd have to say another reason that, uh, zombies I think are popular and why they've gotten so, um, why they've made such an imprint in popular culture is you think about it. It, I think for some people it plays to the frustration we feel towards our fellow man. I mean, have you ever, been stuck at the end of a really long line, or stuck in a traffic jam, or try to get through a, a horde of slow moving people. You know, you have these. They're
1: Not people. recently, but I'm going to LA in a couple months, so I'm sure I will. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so or if you've ever been in a mall in Christmas time, or, um, you know, if you've ever been to an amusement park, or you know, yeah, but we've all had that that feeling where you know, we just kind of wish we could burst cut loose and start taking out people left and right for no other reason that they're getting in our way. But that is generally frowned upon in a civilized society. So is that what we are? Yeah, I I would like, I hope we are. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I think that's debatable, but anyways, uh, we're not here to talk Uh, about that. So, but I think that um, that's one of the reasons why they're so popular in shooters because I've heard it been said that zombies are like Nazis. You can kill as many as you want and no one's going to get offended.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Well, with that said, then, if people want to get in touch with Chad and find him not being a zombie, how can they do it?
1: Well, there's a few ways. I've got, uh, you know, what, three podcasts on, on the Point of Insanity Network. Um, we've got Musically Challenged, we've got uh, Want to Hear Something Interesting, and then intermittently I do a podcast by myself called uh, Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me through email, you can reach out to us at uh, eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com.
0: Yep, and just check on Chad just to make sure he's not, he hasn't turned into a zombie yet.
1: I would much rather become like a Cthuloid.
0: I'm now the more that I think about it, I'm almost wondering if being an immortal Highlander zombie ninja wouldn't be that bad <laughs> with Norse trickster god powers.
1: there, you go. That that's that's the icing.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, I said I do apologize. I know that my podcasts have been kind of been going sometimes a couple weeks apart. It's just that I've been doing a lot of overtime at my day job and. It sucks. So you know, I get home sometimes, and I'm just like emotionally drained, and I don't have don't have the energy to arrange a podcast. So, um but like to thank you for joining me tonight, Chad. And I know we've got episode number 200 coming up soon. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in, and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and brains.